What's up, witches? It's Claudia here, and I have some exciting news. Finally, we have created a Patreon. So you can find us at patreon.com forward slash true crime coffin pot. At the moment, there is only one tier. It's the familiar tier, and it's just where you can chuck us a quid just to help keep us going every month. We aim to expand on this and create new tiers and exciting content. But for now, if you'd like to support us in this way, please do go ahead. That's patreon.com forward slash true crime coffin pod. Enjoy the episode, guys. What's up, witches? Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Jess. And welcome to True, true Crime Coven. Hey, Jess, you all right? Hey, Claudia, yeah, I'm good. You okay? Um, knackered, but good. But I mean, I think everyone's knackered this time of year. Yeah, it's a very busy time of year. Simply having a busy time of year. <laughs> and it's also been really, really cold and really, really wet. And yeah, I, I don't mean, remember it being this cold before in life. No, like minus seven. Yeah. Ridiculous. Baltic. Yeah. Also, I just feel like this time of year, when it gets dark at like four o'clock... You're like, yeah. oh, well, it must be bedtime. And then you look, if, like right now it is pitch black outside and it's like quarter to eight. It See, is not late. It doesn't bother me though, because I like the dark. Okay. Well, I don't so, like the dark. I'm afraid of the dark. But I mean, <laughs> I don't mind dark evenings. Like that doesn't bother okay. me. Yeah. But I think because I'm a night owl, it doesn't signify bed to me. Okay. So you don't associate it with, whereas I'm like literally looking at the clock being like, when is it an appropriate time to go to bed? Because See, what I, else do you do with your evening? I kind of like going to bed during the day with like the light coming through. Oh, oh no, I can't mm. do that. I love going to bed in like the sunshine. I like, fall asleep in the sun. I like falling asleep in the sun. Like sunlight pouring through my window. Love it. Oh no. I like falling asleep on a sunbed getting burnt. Oh yeah, that's the best thing on holiday when you're like sleepy and tired and you yeah. just come out the pool and you're like cooling down. And you don't have to wake up for anything. You're like, I can just sleep here as long as but I need to. I did once, and this is such a first world problem, but <laughs> I did once fall asleep in the, not in the sun, like in a shade, in the, but in the heat in Singapore next to the pool. Yeah. And when I woke up, I couldn't feel my arm for like 20 minutes and I was really like, it, like I knew it wasn't a problem, but then yeah. inwardly I was like, what if it is? What if it, what if it never comes back? <laughs> I was like, what if? I done this is my life now I just don't have an arm anymore <laughs> but evidently it was fine yeah um so the case that we've got today I know you know oh okay because you suggested it ah is it a Christmas one well I don't want to call it a Christmas one but, but it, it, happened, it around happened around this time, this time of, year. of year yeah um and so today we're going to be covering the murder of Joanna Yates yeah I have heard this one before um, and this is a woman whose disappearance, like I said, happened during the vest- festive period, which mm. makes it more heartbreaking in a way, yeah. I think. Um, I think we said about it last week about how actually, although it is a very festive, supposed to be happy, jolly time of year for people who have tragic stories such as this, like not even similar to this, but something sad mm. happening around Christmas, it can it makes you remember it a bit more because it's that time of year, isn't it? Christmas is a hard, even if you lose someone like in June, you know, as far away from Christmas as you can, Christmas is hard because it's still like a poignant time where like everyone's like, be with your family, be with your loved ones. Losing someone at this time of year makes it doubly hard. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely finding at at work, you know, um, obviously deaths are upsetting any time at work, but I'm finding them a bit harder at the moment because mm. i know it's forever going to be all that more painful yeah that is yeah it's just a bit heavier a bit yeah yeah you so that constant reminder don't you exactly um so without further ado i suppose we'll get onto this case because it is quite long yes I, um, I do remember it dragging out for quite a while so i yeah. can imagine actually getting into the nitty-gritty yeah it definitely took longer to research than it normally does for me oh wow um, and trigger warnings. I wouldn't say that there are any particular trigger warnings um, for this case, but as always, it's obviously violence against someone. It's a murder. So yeah. just look after yourselves. And um, in general, look after yourselves during the festive period. Yeah. So Joanna Claire Yates was born the 19th of April, 1985. 
and was one of two children to her parents David and Teresa Yates. She had a brother called Christopher. The family lived in the southeast English county of Hampshire. Joanna received a private education and proved to be a bright young woman, going on to graduate from Rittle University College in Essex with a degree in landscape architecture, before going on to receive her postgraduate diploma in landscape architecture from the University of Gloucestershire. In December 2008, the 23-year-old, 5'4", blonde-haired and blue-eyed Joanna met the 25-year-old architect, Greg Reardon, at the firm Highland Edgar Driver in Winchester, Hampshire, where the two were both employed. They ended up falling in love and moving in together, settling in Bristol when the company, known as HED, relocated there. Joanna soon landed a new job after their move, now working at Building Design Partnership, and life seemed to be going well for the young architects, with Joanna's mum, Teresa, describing her daughter and Greg as a lovely couple. In October 2010, Joanna and Greg moved into a flat in a large house in Clifton, an affluent part of Bristol. And as people who live in Bristol, we can attest to this, like, the houses are beautiful. It is spenny to live there. Yeah. Like, even when they're divided into flats like this was, they're just stunning. They've got, like, high yeah. ceilings, period features, heavy wooden doors and, like, wooden floors. It had been a big flat as well like they're not stingy flats in Clifton no. are they they're they're nice and the area is full of young professionals such as Joanna and Greg but devastatingly because we are all sat here speaking about Joanna we all know that the couple's lives are about to change for the absolute worst on the evening of December 17th 2010 Joanna went out for drinks with work colleagues at the Bristol Ram pub on Park Street which doesn't exist anymore I just Wanted to say that. <laughs> she chatted with her work friends and expressed how she wasn't looking forward to her weekend, as it would be her first time alone in their flat whilst Greg was away for the weekend in Sheffield, visiting his half-brother Francis. She planned to preoccupy herself by baking in preparation for a party herself and Greg were hosting the following week, as well as getting some of her Christmas shopping done. At around 8pm, Joanna said her goodbyes and began making her way back to her flat on foot. A 25-minute walk. At around 8.10pm, Joanna was seen on CCTV leaving Waitrose on Clifton Triangle without buying anything. And fair enough, that's expensive. And oh, then, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Waitrose, no. And then at roughly 8.30pm, she had a phone conversation with her best friend, Rebecca Scott, to arrange meeting up on Christmas Eve, just one week away. And I'm not sure if, like, maybe that was when the Christmas party was going to be or if they were just meeting up, like, you know... Christmas Eve drinks because yeah yeah the last known CCTV footage of Joanna shows her buying an oven pizza from Tesco Express on Regent Street in Clifton much more my level of spending Tesco she also purchased two small bottles of cider and off license called bargain booze and that was the last time Joanna was seen Greg was unable to get hold of her all weekend and after trying to call her when he first arrived in Sheffield on Friday night, then again twice on Saturday, but to no avail, he began to get a bit worried. But he wasn't overly concerned, and I think we have to remember that in 2010, phones, like, they weren't quite as glued to our hands as they are now. Yeah, also, if he knows that she was going out with her work friends Friday night, Mm. I mean you wouldn't necessarily sit on your phone while you're out with your work friends, especially in 2010, as you said, not as glued to your phone. Mm. So you're probably thinking, oh, she's out with the girls. She's not going to answer her phone to me. That's fine. I'll ring her Saturday. Ring her Saturday morning. She doesn't answer her phone. You're probably thinking, oh, maybe she's a bit hungover. She might not be up yet. Yeah. Not concerned yet, but... It's like worrying, but you're not going to call the police over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However... When Greg walked through the couple's front door at around 8pm on Sunday, December 19th, 2010, he found their shared home empty. With the hall and lounge lights on, Joanna's boots in the middle of the hallway and some coats strewn about on the floor. Greg later told the jury during the subsequent trial that he wasn't immediately concerned even then, thinking that she may have just popped out or would be back soon and thinking that she'd just been a bit lazy or like gone out in a hurry, so... Like, yeah. throwing a few coats on the floor. Like, he just thought that she had just been careless, I guess. Yeah, I mean, again, there's nothing there that would have been a red flag. If it's something that you knew that not necessarily they would have done, but if she was in a rush, you might not... If you And you knocked her coat on the floor, you wouldn't necessarily pick it back up then and there, would you? You'd wait. 
And you'd be like, oh, I'm only going out for 10 minutes. I'll come back and pick it up. So yeah, I exactly. can see why he wasn't alarmed. Yeah, it's initially. like... Well, I think a lot of people get this, but when you're getting ready to go for a night out, for example, you sometimes turn your room like upside down uh, trying yeah. to find an outfit. Yeah. It, you could easily look at that and be like, oh, it's a mess. It looks like a struggle. Or it's just someone getting ready. Ready, yeah. Like, right. I've done it loads of times when I haven't decided what to wear. Mm. I have, like, five different outfits lay, like laid out in front of me. And then you decide on the night and then... But you don't put the other four outfits away because you end up in a rush. I mean, you even having them laid out is like good going because I just normally throw things everywhere. But then I also <laughs> know you're kind of lying, Jessica, because I've seen your bedroom floor. Uh, it's not that bad at the minute. It can't be. You would lose the baby, Jess. <laughs> your mum even said that at your baby shower. She was like, I'm worried Jess going to lose the baby. And everyone was like, but she's like, she's safe. She's almost due. And she was like, no, no, physically lose the baby in the mess. In the mess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your mum called you out <laughs> yeah i mean i say it's down to I, I do have a broken chest of drawers and i and they've got worse as well like i can't put anything in there i need to just get a new one <laughs> fair fair anyway <laughs> sidetracked <laughs> greg expected that she'd be back soon enough so that the couple could watch the final of the apprentice together as they had planned so he continued his evening. He tidied the flat a bit. He ate some dinner. He had a cider. But when an hour had passed and still there was no sign of Joanna, he tried to call her again to see exactly where she was and what she was up to. Mm. However, it was then that he heard her phone ringing from her coat pocket. And this made his stomach drop. The coat that the phone was in was her warmest winter coat. And with the temperatures below freezing at the time, Greg was sure that Joanna wouldn't have left their home without it. Greg described how he tried to keep calm and rationalise things, thinking that she'd just forgotten her phone and had gone out in other clothes, perhaps choosing to go to a friend's house to watch The Apprentice final instead. And so Greg continued to tidy the flat, and it was then that he came across Joanna's blue rucksack. And whilst rummaging through it, he found her glasses, wallet and her keys. It was at this moment that the panic really started to set in. Greg said that in best case scenario... He thought that Joanna had been locked out of her flat without all her things. But mm. the worst case was unthinkable. Yeah. Greg began ringing round all of Joanna's friends in Bristol before ringing all of his friends too, desperately trying to find out where she was. It was then they also dawned on him that the couple's cat, Bernard, had been exceptionally affectionate to him since he had returned home. It appeared that he was hungry and his litter tray was dirty. In the couple's bedroom, Greg also found one of Joanna's earrings on the floor of the bedroom and another under their duvet, which was abnormal as she usually took these out and placed them on her bedside table. And I know it might seem like a small detail, but I think when you live with someone, you like get to know their habits yeah. and things. And I just think... If something's out of ordinary, you'd be like, that's weird that they, that they did or didn't do that. Like, Yeah, and it just say, I don't know if they were, but just say they were like expensive or sentimental earrings. Like I've got mm. a ring from my nan and then one of my favourite rings. I'm never just going to leave that in my bed. Like it's always going to go where it's meant to go. Yeah. Because I don't want to lose like that. It's ritual like ritualistic. Yeah. Like, you do That's that. a creepy way to put it, Jess, but yes. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's more ritualistic. Than just, it's more than like just a habit. Like, yeah. You wouldn't ever put it anywhere else. Yeah, because otherwise I'd lose it and then I can't yeah. replace my nan's ring and I can't financially replace the other ring. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. With still no sign of Joanna and with no friends knowing where she was either, at 12.36am on the 20th of December 2010, Greg decided to call Joanna's parents. And he must have been really worried at this point because I think obviously it's quite late to call her parents they're quite far away but yeah. he's just thinking of everything yeah now i'm not sure how this conversation went but it must have been decided that they too were worried about their daughter as just nine minutes later at 12:45 a.m greg called the police to report joanna missing to be fair he probably just had to ring them and say have you heard from her and then yeah. gone, actually no the last time we heard from her was before this friday night yeah, and then he would have immediately known something was wrong. Like, if I like, I chat to my parents every day, and then so if Aiden rung my parents and was like, "I haven't seen or spoke to Jess since Friday," and they were like, "Oh, I haven't seen or spoke to Jess since Friday, and now it's Sunday," yeah, they would very quickly come to the conclusion that something was wrong. 
I speak to my parents regularly, probably not every day. Yeah. But like regularly enough. And like, yeah, I think if, I think if the main people in your life, i.e. the people that birthed you for us, which yeah. isn't for everyone I know, but, um, yeah. and then like your partner and like your friends, like if no one's spoken to you since Friday yeah, and it's now Sunday, it's definitely going to set off alarm bells. Yeah. And the cat as well. Like I think the cat's such a giveaway. Yeah. Because we know as cat parents yeah like we love our cats if karen's i mean karen's always hungry but yeah so is albus but <laughs> he would be like if we went and the bowl was like completely empty and licked clean yeah and the litter tray was dirty and literally came bounding up to you as you walked through the door like there's little signs as well that like the cat can give away that no one's been there all weekend I think Karen wouldn't be such a giveaway because she always looks a bowl clean. She always bounds up to us when we come home and she yeah. doesn't have a litter tray. But if you came back and the ferrets had no water, no food, yeah. and they were filthy, yeah, that would be such a giveaway because, yeah, I wouldn't leave them like that. Yeah. I care for them. <laughs> yeah, I think just everything's really falling into place that this is yeah. a big big worry and the police obviously thought so too because from what i can tell they sprang into action straight away um and within four hours they'd even interviewed the nearby neighbors oh wow that is quick. so yeah they were taking this seriously as well considering it was like a late sunday night yeah yeah however they turned up nothing either as standard procedure, the police did, of course, examine Greg's phone and laptop like it's usually the boyfriend or the yeah. partner. But they found nothing, and he was almost immediately ruled out as a suspect. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. No, he, yeah. Greg, from everything I've read, seems amazing. Oh, good. And so the search was ongoing, and to help aid it, Greg and Joanna's friends set up a website and used Facebook to spread the word. They urged other users on the social media platform to replace their profile picture with one of Joanna with the couple's black and white short-haired cat, Bernard. Visitors to the website could download posters of the photo, too, to print out and put up in their windows. They could also watch the CCTV footage of Joanna's final movements, and they could sign up to a Twitter campaign to find the young architect. So, yeah, they were really on it straight away. Mm. Her brother, Christopher Yates, spent his days handing out leaflets and putting up posters around Bristol, hoping that someone would see them and come forward with information that would lead to a safe return. On December 21st, 2010, Joanna's parents and brother, along with Greg, made a public appeal for the safe return of their beloved daughter, sister and partner. As David and Teresa spoke about Joanna, they broke down in tears. David described his daughter as a vibrant young woman and said that her disappearance was completely out of character for her. He urged the public to help find her. In the hope that perhaps Joanna would have chosen to leave of her own accord, David held his wife's hand as he said, Joe, whatever the reason you have not been in touch over the last few days, we want you to know that we love you dearly. Please get in touch as soon as possible, either to the police or to anyone who can confirm that you are okay. Deputy Superintendent Mark Saunders from Avon and Somerset Police, who was leading the investigation, also reiterated how out of character Joanna's disappearance was for her and told the public that the police were concerned for her welfare and needed help from the public to find her. He said, We have gone through every normal scenario as to where she could be, but nothing has turned up so far. This is not something she has done before. She is a vivacious, sensible, professional woman. Two days later, on December 23rd, David Yates spoke in another press conference, expressing his belief that Joanna was abducted after returning home to her flat in Clifton, saying that although he has no idea of the circumstances of her abduction, he felt sure that she had not gone out by herself and left the belongings behind that she did. He said that he believed that she had been taken away somewhere. He also appealed again for more information about Joanna, and honestly, like, hearing the appeals made made me cry like reading the appeals because you can just i mean you can't imagine but you can imagine i feel like as well even the circumstances without knowing her are suspicious Mm, but also if you know someone really really well and Mm. you go home to that and it's so out of character 
and nobody's seen them and you've seen these this cctv footage of her being like all well and fine on friday night mm. you know that she has been abducted and she has been taken against her will somewhere yeah because there was and no it- indication that she was unhappy and going to run away like apparently yeah. before um i think greg used also greg used her car to drive up to sheffield so it's oh, not okay. like she had a car to drive somewhere. Yeah. Also, she was telling her friends how like upset she was that she was spending the weekend alone. Like yeah. she obviously really liked Greg being there. Yeah, exactly. And she had a Christmas party planned. And I'm not saying people don't plan things and then harm themselves, but they had a Christmas party planned. Yeah. It was going to be their first Christmas together in the flat. Yeah, and she'd planned to like bake for the Christmas party. Yeah. Like. And like yeah. I said, she didn't have a car to get away with. She apparently they met in the lobby of either their work or her work to say goodbye and have a kiss and a cuddle before he went away for the weekend as well. Like oh, this wasn't a woman. Yeah. No, this wasn't a woman in an unhappy relationship. Yeah. And if it was an unhappy relationship, she'd go home to her parents, I believe. Yeah. And also it seemed like she was close to them. Yeah. Also to not, she obviously didn't have her car, but to not take her phone, her keys, mm. her purse her glasses yeah that's more than getting away from a relationship that's like like trying to start a new life almost yeah those earrings yeah her warmest coat like yeah you you would take those things with you even if you're gonna yeah like even if you're gonna start a new life and you don't want to take your phone or like your keys like don't need my keys don't want my phone why not take your warm coat and your earrings yeah and your glasses and your glasses like as someone who wears glasses you need them yeah (laughs) like i can't go anywhere without my glasses i would feel very vulnerable yeah so that is i do not i vaguely remember like the facebook things going around and the press conferences yeah obviously i didn't live in bristol at the time so it was less um prominent for me yeah um but yeah this really made me cry so david yates said in this press conference i've got to believe that she's alive if the inevitable If it turns out she isn't, I still want her back. I still want to hold her one last time. He also addressed anyone who may have abducted her, telling them, if you have, if she is dead, then please tell somebody where she is. And like the way it's written, you can tell that he can't even bring himself to say it in places. And it just about him wanting to hold her one last time just really got me. I was literally writing this and I, I had mm. had a glass of wine but I was crying and yeah. I was like oh I do think horrible. it is that closure isn't it like even if you know that someone has died mm. if you don't have their body like you can't give them the burial or like the cremation or whatever you want to do with that body you can't give it that respect that it deserves yeah because it's like even if you're someone like me who believes that the body is just a vessel and you know you're no longer in it you still don't want to picture your loved one somewhere not nice yeah and you still think of them like you know it was cold at this time you still think of them out in the cold even if they can't feel that cold you still have that part of you like i don't want her to be cold yeah or just like just give them the respect that they deserve like they can't respect themselves anymore unfortunately so they have to rely on other people to show them that respect exactly um Teresa Yates also spoke she said I sometimes picture her if she had for some reason collapsed or been discarded and if she was alive in all the snow and the cold I just can't bear the thought of it that is so heartbreaking and this other one brought me to tears as well Teresa added I miss not being able to hold her cuddle her and say everything is all right I just want her back my little Joe, come back whoever's got her don't keep her Give her back to us. Nobody can feel the pain we feel. And it was my little Joe come back. I was like, oh. Yeah. Like, I think the use of nicknames and, like, the my little, like, she is somebody's daughter. Yeah, she's someone's baby. Like, she, you she know, you're always really your parents' babies. Yeah, 25. Like, yeah. you know, she was, I mean, and she was so successful. She's doing so well for herself, which makes it really sad as well. Greg Reardon also told in the press conference how Joanna was his future and how the upcoming Christmas would be their first together, and how they had plans to spend the new year in Scotland. And detectives had noticed something when searching the flat. So remember that pizza she had bought from Tesco? Yeah, yeah. Well, whilst police had found the receipt for that pizza in the couple's flat, confirming that she had taken her shopping home that night, 
They mm. couldn't find the pizza, nor its box packaging anywhere. So, like, obviously not being able to find the pizza, fine, she might have eaten it. Yeah, But fair. they couldn't find the packaging. So there was no evidence that the pizza was there or had ever been there. Well, there was... It was a bit like, obviously she's brought things home. Yeah. But like where's the pizza? There, her keys are there. Yeah, and why would you take your pizza out with you? Like, your uncooked pizza out with you, but not your phone? Yeah. Um, Priorities, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I, I prefer my pizza cooked. Yeah. Each now, this may seem small, but this told the police that, she, like I said, she'd been home, but had just left. Like... Yeah. Now, this definitely made the case more suspicious. And the two ciders she purchased on the way home, they too were found in the flat, with one of them partially consumed. And some people then became obsessed with the fact that she bought two bottles of ciders. They were like, oh, maybe she was going to have someone over. But I don't think that, like... No. I just think, like, two bottles of ciders I would definitely buy for myself. Like, she'd been out drinking. She had left quite early, like, 8pm. She clearly fancied another drink. She thought, oh, I'll grab two. Like, you don't have to drink two, but you can buy two. Also, like, normally if you drink one, you're always, like... Like, if you buy the second one, you've got the option to either drink it or leave it. Yeah, exactly. If you, you just don't have buy to have one, that. yeah. If you just buy one, you're like, oh, I should have got another one. Exactly, and it's cold. You don't want to so, head back out. Yeah, also, you want to go like, home, get your PJs. <laughs> who's to say she wasn't gonna like give it to Greg when he got back? Like maybe, yeah, or have it maybe the next she night. just popped in and was like, oh my god, this is our favorite ciders. Like they haven't been in stock for ages. I'll could get have two. even been a deal on. Yeah, but yeah. So people read into that. I think it's yeah. I think they read too much into. Yeah, it's not like she. Bought a bottle of wine and put out two glasses, you know? Yeah. Forensic examiners said that there was no evidence of forced entry to the flat, nor did there appear to be any signs of a struggle, except for, like, perhaps the coats that were on the floor. Mm. And so the police began to examine the possibility that perhaps Jana had known her abductor. I think the earrings are a bit suspicious of, like, struggling, because if she always put them on the side and they were, like, almost thrown onto the bed. Yeah. Who's to say that wasn't? I suppose a they couldn't. I suppose they're used to seeing struggles that are like, okay, Big. It, yeah, yeah, like, do, like you'd think if you had a struggle in the bedroom, it wouldn't just be your earrings that were everywhere, like the duvet be in disarray, yeah. like the bedside table, like maybe the lamp would be knocked over, etc. Like obviously, yeah. I don't know how her bed looked, her bedroom looked, but um, I suppose then maybe they can't really have that as evidence of a struggle. Yeah, say it was or wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Obviously, they can say it's out of character, but they can't just put that down to a struggle. It could have just been... Maybe yeah. she was a little bit tipsy and she was like, ooh, earrings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be me after two beers sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it just hits Bye. different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, on Christmas Eve, Joanna Yates was remembered during midnight mass at Christ Church in Clifton. And churchgoers across Bristol, and across the UK, to be honest, prayed for Joanna's safe and swift return home. But heartbreakingly, at 9am on Christmas Day, a couple walking their dog came across the body of a young woman in the snow and leaves in a roadside verge in Fayland, a village in North Somerset, close to the Bristol border. In fact, where the young woman's body was found was just three miles away from Joanna and Greg's home. And you could probably tell me if I pronounce Fayland right. No idea. Oh, okay. It's really close to where you grew up, Jess. Um, but that's I didn't fun. grow up that side of Bristol. Yeah, but you grew up in Bristol and it's three miles away from Clifton. Yeah, but I'm very North Bristol and Clifton, South Bristol. I don't even know what North and South Bristol is, okay? <laughs> oh, there's a big difference to North and South Bristol. Well, we're not getting into the politics yeah, yeah, of Bristol. Do, yeah, I wouldn't, but yeah. <laughs> the North is better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst the woman's identity wasn't confirmed, David and Teresa Yates were informed of this development and what I can imagine was already the worst Christmas of their lives suddenly became even worse. Mm. Soon, however, formal identification of the body did take place and the young woman was confirmed to be Joanna Yates. Detective Chief Inspector Phil Jones said that the police believed that Joanna's body had been on that roadside verge for several days due to how frozen she was. The Yates family said that it had been a relief to see Joanna's body after going through the worst week of their lives. And like we said, like I, we, I kind of get that. Like I, I'm not going to pretend that I understand what they're going through, but I understand that the limbo could be worse. Yeah. 
The next day, on Boxing Day, the post-mortem took place and it was determined that Joanna had died by compression of the neck. She'd been strangled to death. Oh, that's so sad. I know. David Yates said in a statement, Hearing Joe had been murdered was not a surprise because we'd been told to prepare for the worst. He went on to describe how the week where she was missing was the worst week of the family's lives and then said, Things were made just that little bit less terrible when we saw Joe's body. It was a relief to see Joe's body again. We just said, welcome back. Oh, that's so sad. I know. But now that Joanna had been found, police were working round the clock to try and find her killer. Mm. In fact, around 70 police officers and civilian staff were involved in the investigation. Oh, wow. I know. Which was one of the biggest in Bristol in years, mm. with the police receiving more than 1,300 pieces of information and 900 lines of inquiry with 239 of those classed as high priority. Oh, wow. Additionally, more than 100 hours of CCTV footage was reviewed by the force. And this is the thing, people always say, like, oh, I hate how there's, like, they're always watching you, there's so much CCTV. And I think now, like, I personally, call me whatever, but I I kind of like that there's that, that much CCTV because I think... Yeah, they were able to get... They they know her last movements because of I'm it. I'm the same because if you have nothing to hide, what's wrong with them being able to see your whereabouts? Because I think I'm more likely to be a victim than an attacker personally. Yeah. So actually, yeah, follow me all you want because if someone does something to me... You've got it on camera and that's only going to ben- benefit me. I think the only exactly. people who are moaning that everything's on camera like, are people who have or are planning to attack something and are annoyed that... Well, yeah, like, I, I've heard people be like, yeah, but I don't like the government watching me. And I'm like, but they're not really watching also, you. They're only watching if, they, if something if happens. If you're doing suspicious, yeah. Also, as if the government sit there and listen to every single person's conversation. Like, are you really doing anything that interesting? Do you no. think someone's going to sit there and watch you? And well, listen it's like to the whole you? thing when they were like, they're tracking us with the COVID chip. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Like, literally during COVID, what were you doing, Jess? Staying at home or going to work? Like, <laughs> literally, like, what else could you do? I would go on like a walk every day, but that was half an hour maximum. Do you like, know what I mean? Don't like, get me wrong. We're entitled to our privacy, and I don't want to live in like some big brother society. But like, I also, like, if it's going to mean that murderers are more likely to be found, crack then, on. Then, yeah, go ahead. Anyway. Detective Inspector Jones said how police officers meticulously searched the area where Joanna had been found and examined all possible routes between there and her Clifton home. Mm. He also added that there was no evidence to suggest that Joanna was sexually assaulted, although he did not rule out... Oh, yeah. Thank God. Mm. Although he did not rule out a sexual motive to her murder. Let's be honest, women tend to be... It's either like a hate thing or it's a a sexual sexual motive, sadly. But just after 7am on Thursday the 30th of December 2010, Joanna Yates' 65-year-old landlord, Christopher Jeffries, was arrested on suspicion of her murder. In fact, not only was he her landlord, but he was also her neighbour, living, I think, above her within the same converted house? Yeah, okay. I believe it was, like, above her. The police held him for two days in total before he was released on bail. His arrest came after a tip which was called in by another neighbour who lived within the same building, who stated that they had seen Christopher Jeffrey's car change direction on the night of Joanna's disappearance. Although Christopher Jeffries was released on bail, he was still treated with suspicion and hounded by the media, who decided he was guilty because he was deemed eccentric and therefore weird. But we'll go on to that later on and how the press treated him. Okay. Um, it was pretty bad. A tip came in from a young woman attending a party at a neighbouring house on the same road that Joanna and Greg lived on, on December 17th, when Joanna disappeared. The woman said that she remembered hearing two loud screams just after 9pm, coming from the direction of Joanna and Greg's flat. Another neighbour, who lived behind the house, said that he also heard a woman scream, help me, although he wasn't sure exactly when he heard this plea. Okay. Yeah. So it could, could be related, could be... Yeah, I mean... I also understand why he wouldn't under, like necessarily know when he heard it because yeah. like, I mean, this was the last Friday before Christmas, which is also known as Mad Friday, where everyone goes out and gets drunk. Yeah. So it was like expected to be a rowdy night. 
I do think help me is a bit much to hear. Yeah, like if I heard someone shout and help me, I would investigate it until I knew that it was safe. Because you don't just shout help me for... But then I suppose if you only hear it once, what are you meant to do? Like You're like, oh, yeah. I think it came from over there. But like, what are you going to do? Knock on every flat in that house? Yeah. It, it, it's difficult. Um, And the screams, yeah, like, unfortunately you do hear, like, if you live... In a place where people are especially partying, you hear like people Clifton, scream. Yeah, you're going to hear lots of people, especially on a night like that, you're going to hear a lot of like people just walking around screaming. Yes. Yeah. Partying, being loud, yeah. being obnoxious. And it's Christmas, they'll be like, woo! Like we all call exactly. them woo girls. Woo! Woo! Shots! Woo! Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be one of them on the 23rd. I will stay away. Yeah, I'm going to tonight, <laughs> Josephine, with my cheer friends, so it's going to be loud. Oh, fair. <laughs> with more evidence that the couple's flat was part of a crime scene, officers removed the front door to the residence to check for clothing fibres and any DNA. Investigators also had to explore the possibility that perhaps the perpetrator had entered the flat and waited for Joanna before she returned home that evening. On January 2nd, 2011, police issued a statement warning women not to walk home alone after dark as Joanna's killer was still at large. And you know this is going to annoy me, Jess. Always. Like, I understand what they're doing, but also, why not issue a statement being like, hey, probably don't men <laughs> don't kill people. Like, yeah. I mean, not even men necessarily. People, don't just be... Don't, don't, just stop killing people. I said don't it before it. and I'll say it again. Don't be a dick. Yeah, it's not the victim's fault. No. But anyway, I understand, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Days after this, police also revealed that Joanna Yates's body was found with one sock missing, and they stated that the sock wasn't found in a search of the couple's flat either, leading them to believe that the sock may have been used as a ligature and could be the murder weapon, and that perhaps the killer was keeping it as a trophy of sorts. Hmm. Disgusting. Weird. On January 18th, 2011, the filming started of a reconstruction of Joanna's case for the BBC TV show Crime Watch. And almost immediately, just the production of this, and I think maybe like people talking about the production, generated 300 more calls to the police regarding the case. Wow. I know, right? That's a lot. Yeah. I know. Police are also able to state that the tests of Joanna's stomach contents revealed that she did not eat the pizza she bought on her way home on December 17th. Where is the pizza? I know, like, it seems so, like... like this, is a, this is starting to annoy me a little bit. I want to know where the pizza is. I know, is. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, it sounds so silly that they're so caught up on this pizza, but it is weird. Like, it is weird. Yeah, it's actually, like, I think quite a big bit of the they, story as they well. They said like, it was on their biggest bits of evidence because they were like, obviously... The pizza made it home because everything else made it, it was, home. Yeah, but what happened to the pizza and what... Ha- like, it's almost like if you can find out what happened to the pizza, you can find out what happened to Joanna. Yeah, and it's like, it kind of sucks that it's pizza because it makes it like a little bit like... Oh, it's not- pizza. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it... You know, it's not a hot pizza that she ate on the way home. It's literally a pizza that you had to cook. Yeah, like I'm thinking... Like, we all know what a Tesco's oven pizza that you keep yeah. in the fridge like, like even if it like, wasn't frozen it was chilled it was raw yeah like you still need to cook it yeah exactly like it was a tesco's express it wasn't like i know sometimes you can go into like the big tesco's and get a hot one but uh, actually i don't know if they do them anymore i know as to do but anyway yeah um <laughs> off, off topic so yeah literally the police were like this is going to be a vital clue yeah this pizza like once you find the pizza we maybe find the killer And one of these 300 tips, made by an anonymous female caller, proved to be a breaking point in the investigation. On the morning of January 20th, 2011, Avon and Somerset Police arrested a 32-year-old man on suspicion of Joanna Yates' murder. This man was none other than her neighbour, architectural engineer, Vincent Tabak, who lived next door to Joanna and Greg with his girlfriend, Tanya Mawson. Vincent and his girlfriend went away for Christmas to Vincent's native Netherlands. Whilst Joanna's family were searching for and discovering the body of their loved one, Vincent was able to enjoy his holidays. Vincent Tabak had previously been ruled out of the investigation. Like, do you remember I said that they started questioning neighbours, like, within four hours? Yeah. This wasn't the people they questioned, so they kind of ruled him out initially. 
Okay, so I'm assuming that they would have done that with the landlord as well at some point, like if he lived above them. Yeah, yeah. But they but, obviously thought he was more suspicious. Well, like I said, like he's weird, so of course he must have done it. So yeah, he'd actually been ruled out and he'd also placed Christopher Jeffries in the firing line. So if you remember, he said that he noticed his car had moved during the night of Joanna's murder. Yeah, and changed direction. Yeah. So this later turned out to be a lie he had planted to take the heat away from himself. Ooh. But it also brought Vincent to the police's attention. So when Tanya saw that Christopher Jeffries had been arrested, she called to give more information that she and Vincent had that they thought may prove useful. Hmm. However, when the police flew out to the Netherlands to take the statement from them, they soon found that Vincent's telling of the events that night were a bit inconsistent. He also apparently asked too many questions about the forensic work being carried out. Uh, yeah, that's always a big giveaway like they we wanting to know how on it's going yeah yeah he's like oh so have you got any forensic and i believe the police officer just kind of got like a bit of a sixth sense she was like "Mm, this guy's weird i've got a gut feeling and you know go with your gut always go with your gut yeah and after obtaining a dna sample from vincent it was soon found to be a match to dna traces on joanna's body and fibres found on her matched those on Vincent's coat and in his car. Still, Vincent denied his involvement, even claiming that the police had planted the evidence on her body. Wow, that is a bold statement. Yeah, and I'm not saying police are never corrupt, but, like, why? Why would they? He was questioned for 96 hours in total, and on January 22nd, police charged Vincent with the murder of Joanna Yates, and he was remanded in custody, with Vincent declining to request bail. Believing their relative and friend was innocent, back in the Netherlands, Vincent's loved ones began raising funds for his court defence. But on February 8th, Vincent finally admitted the truth when he told prisoner chaplain Peter Brotherton that he had killed Joanna Yates and planned to plead guilty in his trial. Vincent did, however, maintain that it had been manslaughter and not murder, and so pleaded guilty to only manslaughter on May 5th, 2011. This was ejected by the Crown Prosecution Service. The trial got underway on October 4th, 2011, and Vincent explained the events that led to the murder of Joanna Yates, or at least his version of events. Okay. Well, Vincent claims that he walked past Joanna's kitchen window and she invited him in, which I already don't believe. Yeah. So, like, apparently these two had never met properly. Like, they'd maybe seen each other in passing and said hi, but they weren't friends. Yeah. So tell me why she would see her neighbour that she doesn't know walk past her window and tell him to come in. Also, how many people, even if they are your neighbour, do you see walk past your window and just be like, oh yeah, come up, come inside? Yeah, like, not being funny, I like my neighbours. I really like my next door neighbours. I like most of the people in my street. Mm. I still wouldn't be like, oh, hey, come in. Because, yeah, like, a, a gentle nod or a wave, fine, yeah, but not a come into the house. And, like, if this was summertime, I'd find this more believable because you might have your window open and get chatting. But this was below freezing. Her yeah. window was not open. She's not having a chat with him. So in his mind, they've walked past. They've either waved. She's been like, come in, like, gesturing to him. No, I, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Time of night that it is, if she's in the kitchen with the light on and he walks past, there's a high chance she wouldn't have even seen him because if it's dark outside, you all know, like, it's very hard to see out of a window when it's dark outside. Yeah, or you can see it to... easily, but... Yeah, or she would have, like, the curtains drawn. Like, that's one of my fears. Like, I always have to draw the mm. curtains because if I can see my own reflection because I can't see out, it scares me because I'm like, anything could happen out there. As you said that, I looked to my window, which I could see my reflection in, and I've got the blinds open. Yeah, I always have to close them. Like, it really creeps me out. I'm like, close that. But, yeah, that's the thing. And what I do believe, however, is that he walked past her, saw that she was alone. Because you bring up a good point. He could see in, maybe she couldn't see out. But anyway, Vincent said that she invited him in and that the pair began chatting. He said he found her very attractive in that moment, which, yeah, she was a pretty girl. And apparently he misread the situation and so went in to kiss her. This is when he said Joanna screamed and so Vincent tried to silence her. How do you think he says he tried to silence her, Jess? Oh, putting her as his hands over her mouth and nose, maybe? No, 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 that would make sense. Try again. Well, 
I know that she was strangled, so I'm guessing he tried to claim that he silenced her by putting his hands around her neck or, some, or something yeah. around her neck. And after a few seconds, she died, apparently. Oh, yeah, because that's... we. I mean... We've gone over this so often, like... Ugh. One of the most talked about things on this podcast is how easy it is to strangle someone. Yeah, so easy. It's literally humans are weak... Oh, yeah, I put on chokers sometimes and honestly almost die. Like, <laughs> I just... Oh, I, I just think if you're going to lie about strangling someone, at least be aware that it takes a few minutes. Oh, I know. Like if, you know what? If you're going to kill someone and try to make it look like an accident, don't strangle them. Yeah. I don't want to give people tips, but I'm just going to say, like, it's... Just, oh, yeah, mind-boggling. Especially because they think a ligature might have been used. Like a head injury is a lot more of a like a, you could you could maybe get away yeah. with that, but not like strangling said, someone. Like we said, we're not giving anyone any ideas, but like, come on, come on. Yeah. Like, so yeah, he said that she went to scream. He put his hands around his neck. Totally normal thing to do, of course. Yeah. And after a few seconds, she died. Every time I hear someone scream. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I better strangle them. Yeah, you know what? Instead of asking them to be quiet or covering their mouth. You know, straight for straight for also, the Also, why was he so worried about her screaming? Yeah. Like, also, even if he had misread the situation, he's got a girlfriend. Why is he trying to kiss oh, yeah. her? But you can totally rectify this. You can go, oh, my bad. Sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm going to leave now. I'm so embarrassed. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry. Yeah, you've got a boyfriend. I've, I've got a girlfriend. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But um, just anything other than killing someone is a normal yeah. response. I've been rejected before. It's embarrassing. You get over it. Yeah, you don't wrap your hands around somebody's neck. I also don't think a woman screams when you try and kiss them, unless you're forceful. Yeah. I've had someone go in to kiss me before, and I've moved backwards. Yeah, and screamed. Yeah. I mean, there's a few stages before screaming. Yeah, it's only if someone was then being forceful mm. and trying to, you know, assaulting me. Assault you. That's why I'm going yeah. to scream. <sighs> Sorry, I get very worked up about this. <laughs> Honestly, like, what also annoys me is I saw that a few articles called him, um, said that the police said that he was clever and calculated, and I'm like, how? I mean, that's a dumb thing to say, what he's just said. Like, I understand <laughs> that he, like, l- tried to frame other people, but this man inserted himself into the investigation, got all questiony about it to police. Tried to... Blame police. Tried to blame police. And then says that he pressed her neck for a few seconds and she died. Like, I, I don't see how he's happy. Uh, no. How he's happy. How he's clever. Like, he couldn't even lie well. And I'm happy um, about yeah. that, but still. <sighs> and to counter Vincent's claims of what took place on the night of Joanna's murder, mm. pathologist Dr. Delaney revealed in court that Joanna suffered 43 injuries during the fight for her life. And he made it clear that these were injuries sustained while she was alive. So these aren't injuries of when she's dead and he's moving the body. This is, she's alive, she's fighting, 43 injuries. Christ, that is a lot. Yeah. He also explained that while strangling Joanna, Vincent would have seen her struggling to breathe. Which, yeah, Obviously. of course. Yeah. It takes minutes, not seconds. He said that Vincent could have removed his hand to save Joanna's life, but he chose not to. So, yeah, Agreed. just in case anyone yeah. was in any, like, hey. His story does sound a little bit like yeah. he could have been an accident. No. No. Like a pathologist, not. a highly qualified individual, yeah. has reiterated what we just said. Well, we've reiter- reiterated him, but you know. And I'll quickly touch on the injuries Joanna sustained. Um, they're not um, graphic. per se but um you know i don't like to just sit here and go on about someone's injuries because i think that's unnecessary but um Uh, yeah just to dispel any doubts about vincent's guilt i will dr delaney uh, showed the court photographs of bruises to joanna's neck and chin as well as blood under her nose so normally when you strangle someone someone doesn't have blood blood under the nose the nose doesn't bleed so after joanna died vincent's defense Mr. Clegg QC stated that Vincent panicked and removed the pizza that Joanna was cooking out of the oven. Mystery solved about the pizza. Yeah. I'm not really sure why he removed the pizza. I understand turning the oven off. You yeah. don't really know why he removed it. What happened to the packaging as well, though? I think he 
took it? I don't know. That's that's really like why? I don't know. Why? It's honestly again, I don't understand how they called him clever. Yeah. Because why not get rid of the bottles? Why not take her phone and her keys? Yeah, why and her... just the pizza? He definitely ate the pizza. Well, he says he didn't, but yeah. But if it wasn't in the... He says he threw it away. Trash. Well, it wasn't in her apartment. No. I just think if you're actually clever, you'd take her phone, you'd take her keys, you'd take a coat. Yeah. You'd it would t- take a you- lot more than just the pizza. Yeah, it's very weird. Very, very weird. I also feel like if you're that clever that you don't, you don't murder people. Come oh, on. yeah, if you're that clever, you don't, don't do this. But um, yeah. he then carried Joanna's body to his flat. Um, his girlfriend, Tanya, was away that night, so she wasn't there. She's not involved. She's never been convicted. Okay. He stored Joanna's... I think she genuinely believed that they had information about Christopher Jeffries and was in the dark about Vincent's involvement. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's quite sad So she's, for her she's a victim lesser. here as well. Yeah. He stored Joanna's body in a bicycle cover and then he placed her in his boot and drove to his local Asda. Um, I think to then get other things to... Okay. Or maybe he... I mean, again, this man... It's so weird, some of the events. Went for a nice food shop. Yeah, it's also my local Asda, so that's um, nice. He then drove to Feyland where he tried to place Joanna's body over a wall. Um, There was blood on the wall which indicated this. However, after finding out that he couldn't quite manage this, he instead placed her on the verge where she would be found and attempted to cover her with snow and leaves. And I guess he he did this well enough because her body wasn't found for eight days. Yeah. Vincent then returned home and texted his girlfriend Tanya, saying, Miss you loads. It's boring here without you. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I get that he's trying to cover up his tracks, but um, knowing what he had just done, I know he's... Obviously trying to say, like, it's boring, I've not done anything. But obviously in the context of, like, you've just murdered someone and then you're being like, it's boring. Yeah, it's almost like going that step, like, overcompensating. Yeah, again, I don't see how he's intelligent here. No. I, I really don't, but um, he could just say, oh, I miss you, love you. Like, yeah. that to me is a normal text that I send Mikey when yeah, he's away. Yeah, like, I miss you, I love you, can't wait for you to come home. Doesn't yeah. he, you know, the, it's boring without you. Exactly. He says that he then disposed of the pizza and threw away Joanna's sock. Um, remember, she was miss- one was missing when she was yeah. found. Um, and apparently he did this in his wheelie bin. Okay. Um, I, I, but I have to imagine that they would have searched everyone's wheelie bins. Especially if it was a flat, because surely they have, obviously, their own bins in their house, but then they have, like, communal... Well, some flats have, like, wheelie bin. So if it says wheelie bin, because I know when I lived in a flat, we had, like, those big, like... The communal bins. ones. Yeah, they're yeah. massive. Um, but I suppose if it's like um, wheelie bins, sometimes they've got numbers on them, haven't they? Or like top flat, ground floor flat. Yeah, true. So I guess I in just, a big flat, you would need a wheelie bin each, wouldn't you? Yeah, but I just think it would be a complete oversight for the police not to have searched... Everyone. If they're going to search her bin, why not... Like, because you can get mixed up or you could just be that person who doesn't... Like, maybe she just... You know, she could have been someone who was like, oh, okay, I'm putting it in any bin. Yeah. But anyway, that's what he said. Um, and they didn't find it, so... More evidence that this wasn't manslaughter is that Vincent's online history showed that he enjoyed pornography where extreme violence was shown towards women, especially those videos depicting people throttling women. Yeah. Wow. And your face there just said it all. <laughs> yeah, that is extreme violence towards women as well. Like, yeah, like you can have kinks. I think we all have kinks. Yeah. Um, and consensual acts are fine. Like, you know, BDSM, subdom, strangulation, mm. all that is absolutely fine if it's consensual and you've got safe words and all that. You know, it doesn't make you a murderer. It doesn't make you a bad person. I'm not saying that about the community yeah. it's a great community normally um, i'm not part of it myself but but it doesn't bode well for you if you enjoy watching this to arouse you and then you say that you accidentally strangled a woman if you yeah. get off on watching people throttle throttle women also it does show the sexual element to the act so yeah. like the police said she wasn't sexually assaulted but they believe that there was there could have been a sexual motive and they believe yeah. that yeah there was a sexual motive Additionally, child pornography was found on Vincent's laptop. 
So, you know, if you're thinking that maybe he is an all right guy somehow, um, <laughs> no. Yeah, if all this is not convincing you, you. Yeah, not convincing enough. The police also found that he had searched refuse collection dates. Uh, I guess of it being the festive period, they may have been a bit up in the air. Mm. Um, so he could make sure the sock and pizza evidence was gone. He also yep. searched the location of Joanna's body. I'm guessing searched where to dump her. Um, for yeah, want of a fair. better word. Um, and also mm. body decomposition times. Though I will say, like, it was freezing. Surely he knows that she's not going to decompose as quickly as usual. In court, Vincent admitted to trying to frame Christopher Jeffries and also used the time to apologise to Joanna's family for putting them through, in his words, a week of hell. Now, I know he's referring to the time that they said was the worst time in their lives and it was a bit better once they found her, but it just seems like a bit of an oversight to only apologise for that. For that week, yeah. Not for murdering her and for the fact that they'll never get their daughter back. So the jury failed to reach a unanimous verdict. How? Yeah, yeah, I know, how? Um, (laughs) I know we weren't there and I've never been on a jury, um, but I just don't understand how they weren't, like, guilty, but... With all the evidence as well. Oh, mate, I don't even know, but there's there's always one in there. There's always one. Um, In fact, in this case, there were two, but... Luckily, the judge accepted a majority verdict and they came to this 10 to 2. Vincent Tabak was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Joanna Yates with a minimum of 20 years. On March 2nd, 2015, Vincent Tabak also pled guilty to the possession of more than 100 indecent images of children, landing him 10 months in prison, which was set to run concurrently with his existing life sentence. And by the way, that's not long enough. No. Also, let's touch on that life sentence. 20 years. That's nothing. In fact, this year, Vincent was moved to a lower security prison. Uh, This was from his maximum security, meaning life is a bit nicer for him as well. However, his request to be transferred back to Holland under the prisoner transfer scheme was refused, which is good because I think life is quite good over there for prison prisoners, yeah, which I'm, I'm all for. Like, I'm for rehabilitation and Holland seems to have got prison quite right in some ways. Mm. But I feel like murderers with child pornography yeah, like um, maybe yeah. don't deserve that. Yeah, I mean, they are both quite extreme like murder and child pornography are very, very extreme crimes. Yeah, and also to my knowledge, he hasn't, there was no escalation. He went straight from the pornography to murder. Oh, really? Like normally this is the part of the podcast and the case where we talk about what led up to this. Oh yeah, but nothing. I mean, other than the pornography and then the child pornography, there's nothing else. They also say that he's been an exemplary prisoner since he was convicted, which, like, good, I guess. Yeah. But he still strangled a woman to death and tried yeah. to frame an innocent man and partly ruined that man's life. Yeah. Um, and so on that note, about Christopher Jeffries. Mm. So the media vilified this man. They completely tore about apart his character and felt they could do so because, according to sources, Christopher Jeffries is slightly eccentric and enjoys his own company. And if that makes you a murderer, then, like, I'm in danger because I love my own company and a lot of people call me weird. So... Yeah, um, nothing wrong with that. In fact, Christopher Jeffries, um, he spoke in the Leveson Inquiry, which I knew the name of and I kind of knew what it was about, but um, I'll, I'll go into a bit. So mm. the Leveson Inquiry was a judicial public inquiry into the culture, ethics and practices of the British press after it was found that they hacked into phones to gain evidence. So this was media owned by Rupert Murdoch and they found that employees were engaging in police bribery and exercising improper influence to pursue stories. In terms of the phone hacking, um, I think that's what most people remember. They kind of hacked into everyone. So they did it from like celebrities to murder victims' families, including that of Millie Dowler, and um, who we haven't spoken about but was quite a big case in the UK Mm. Uh, Millie Dowler and also Lee Rigby yeah they were just hacking into everyone's and just getting information and then leaking it so it was pretty disgusting Mm. yeah I remember Um, that happening yeah and Rupert Murdoch did lose his position within the company as did his son who was an executive chairman I believe yeah Um, so it did it did cause ripples and it was a very big inquiry. 
And in the Leveson inquiry, Christopher Jeffries gave evidence, like I said, and he yeah. spoke about how he was forced into a, his words, hole in the corner existence by the hostile press coverage. He states it was a smear campaign and that parts were just pure fabrication. Wow. So the day after Christopher Jeffries' arrest, the Daily Mail called him a nutty professor. Uh, he was a retired teacher, so that's why. Okay. I think he was a head teacher, actually. Uh, the Sun and Daily Record called him the strange Mr. Jeffries, and the Daily Mirror referred to him as a peeping Tom. The Sun article also described him as weird with a strange walk and talk. They called him lewd and said that he made sexual remarks and a creepy loner with blue rinse hair. Which also he doesn't have. He's just got grey hair. Like Okay, so they're even lying about his hair colour. Yeah, like wow. he's just a man with grey hair. Like, yeah. Also, um, what's wrong with the blue rinse? Yeah, like it Leave doesn't, him alone. Like but this is the thing, I know if I was ever in the press for anything, people would be like, Well, obviously look at her, she's got pink hair. Like it's just one of those things oh, and they just oh, yes, tore. It's, it's a personality trait now having a different coloured hair, isn't it? Like, yeah, they just tore this man apart because they could and they mm. Like, there was no actual evidence that he ever did anything to Joanna. But because he was a slightly weird man, they just tore into him. Um, so Jeffries also said in the Leveson inquiry, he said, the press freedom has been allowed to excuse licensed irresponsibility and that the search for sensation and increased sales will take almost any risks knowing that the penalties available are unlikely to seriously hurt them. So basically, he was saying that They'll do anything to get a good story because there's no, like, there's no action. There's no consequences for them. Yeah. In essence, the press ruined Christopher Jeffries' life and reputation for a story when, like I said, he hadn't been charged of anything mm. and was completely innocent and instead framed by Vincent Tabak, the true murderer. Yeah. And they did really hound him. They, like, stayed outside his house. Oh, they I were bet. just, they were horrible to him. There's, in fact, been a documentary made about this which has got two awards i mean i feel like everyone knows what the press are like and oh yeah like and hounding people they just honestly they just ruined his life it was horrible mm. oh they've also said that police have come out and said that this could have potentially damaged the investigation into joanna's murder as well oh really because they were just focusing on him and not yeah. the truth following the treatment of christopher jeffries um, a debate in the House of Commons on February 4th, 2011, Anna Subri, a Conservative MP, told the House, what we saw in Bristol was, in effect, a feeding frenzy and vilification. Much of the coverage was not only completely irrelevant, but there was a homophobic tone to it, which I found deeply offensive. The slurs on the man were out of order. Um, I don't know if Christopher Jeffries is gay. Um, okay. So I'm not sure about the homophobic tone, but no. yeah, basically they were just disgusting. And in the end, eight British newspapers agreed to pay him libel damages, Good. which is nice, but like money can't fix a reputation and that will always follow him. Yeah. Even if you get cleared, there's always those people who say no smoke without fire and everything. And oh, God, yeah. He like, still was called like weird and strange. and Also, that can be so damaging to someone's mental health. Like, Oh, completely. I think how anxious that would make you and also like how self-conscious like they're saying that he's weird and he looks weird and he talks weird and he's he walks weird and he's just weird and it's like that's a man who's done nothing wrong and you're just being like tearing apart how he looks and how he acts yeah but on that uh, you know put it this way bottom line the press were disgusting to Christopher yeah. Jeffries and he was completely innocent he's allowed to be a bit eccentric and there's nothing wrong with that in fact I think that's fucking amazing. I like God, people yeah. who are a bit different. Yeah. So back to Joanna. Um, following her death, her partner Greg started a charity in her memory to raise funds for families of missing people. I'm not sure what it's called as I couldn't find uh, the link to it was broken. So maybe it doesn't exist anymore, but he, he at least did it for a bit. Okay. Um, her family and friends planted a memorial garden for home Romsey at sir harold hillier gardens where she had worked as a student and in bristol the company she worked for called building design partnership if you remember mm. teamed up with north bristol nhs trust to plant a memorial garden she had been designing for the new hospital in southmead bdp also planted a garden of remembrance for her at their studio as well as publishing an anthology of her work an annual landscape design prize was also named after her at the university of gloucester 
Joanna Yates's funeral was held on February 11, 2011, at St Mark's in Ampfield, Hampshire, and was attended by around 300 people, showing just how loved she truly was and is. And that's pretty much all I have. I mean, it seems like Joanna was going, like her life was already going so well. She was probably going to, like Greg has said, they were probably going to get married. Yeah. He believed that she was the woman for him. Oh, they were probably so going sad. to get married, maybe start a family, who knows? Maybe that's not what they wanted. Um, she was so successful in her career. She mm. she had everything going for her and it was taken away from her just... Because? Just because. Because he could. Um, I think that's the saddest thing is that, like you said, you're... you're you'll never know what their plan was. No. Like, you don't know what she would have gone on to be, whether she would have gone on to have kids, and probably, from the sounds of it, she would have probably been more of a success. Yeah. And, At the end yeah. of the day, though, she had a whole life to live, and she yeah. got that taken away from her. Um, and that's because, the saddest thing. Yeah, because of this man who, I believe, probably knocked on her door and she let him in because he had an excuse to come in. Yeah. Um, and it just all seems so pointless. Yeah. So, yeah, that concludes the case of Joanna Yates. Like we said, it's sad to lose anyone and mm. then go through Christmas. And I, I, the Christmases probably don't get any easier. Oh, God. But no. it's very sad to lose someone around Christmas and for them to actually be found on Christmas Day. Because when did you say Ugh. that happened? 2011. Mm. So I 11 do, years ago. Yeah, I do remember it happening, but obviously I was... You were 18, you probably had other things going on. Yeah. 18-year-olds are quite self-involved, we all are, but 18-year-olds, you know. Well, because I remember it happening, because obviously that was like the time that I was starting to go out as an 18-year-old. Mm. So obviously that was like a massive, massive thing in Bristol. Oh yeah, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, where she was that night is quite central. Yeah, and I, I remember her landlord being accused and and then one of her neighbors being convicted but didn't know like all the ins and outs like i knew that she was strangled and i knew she was found on christmas day yeah um but yeah i didn't know all like the ins and outs like the pizza thing really blows my mind just because it's so confusing like, yeah why? and it's such an odd detail but yeah it was obviously quite a key detail though yeah well, as as Greg, her boyfriend, actually said, he was like, you're just like, why could we not have won the lottery? Because statistically, it's probably just as likely as being murdered by your stranger of a neighbour. Yeah. You just got the sad statistic, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so that is all we've got. If, like we said, if Christmas is hard for you, look after yourself. Yeah. You don't have to watch Christmas films. Put on a horror film, put on a, put on anything. Just Put on a Christmas horror film. Yeah, honestly. Christmas, just... it's not very good, but... Just honestly, look after yourselves. If this is a hard time, look after yourself. If you enjoy Christmas, then have a lovely Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, eat lots of food. Eat lots of food. And other than that, we'll see you in the new year. Thank you for making this such a lovely year for us. But our main takeaway is look after yourselves. And uh, just remember, stay, stay spooky. Hey guys, if you have a ghost story or a case suggestion, please email us truecrimecovinpod at gmail.com You can also find us on Twitter at truecrimecovin or on Instagram and Facebook where we are at truecrimecovinpod Also, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could rate us wherever you're listening to this right now be it Spotify, Apple Music or if you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up, click that bell, get notifications every time we post. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Make these two witches smile. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks witches! witches.